What's up? How's it going, everybody? Good to see you guys. Welcome to Citizens Youth. I'm super glad that you're here. Man, it is good to be back with you guys. Uh, last week, my friend Tony, who you know and love, many of you, especially here in middle school, did a phenomenal job bringing the word. He did, wasn't it awesome? Wasn't it such a good message? Timely message, appropriate message for where we're at as a youth ministry and where we're at, I think, just as uh, people. So when we become Christians, radical, like it, it, we can get so caught up in the monotony of like uh, day-to-day life, reading the Bible, going to church, things like that. Um, but it is truly amazing what happens when we encounter the real Jesus. Amen. When you encounter the real Jesus, everything changes. It's impossible for you to stay the same once you actually know Jesus. Once you have met him, once you have uh, look to him as Lord and Savior, your life is different. And Tony just did such a good job last week of communicating that truth. And um, I hope it encouraged you and inspired you to be bold in your conversations, when you're talking to your friends, when you're talking to uh, your family, siblings, whoever it is. Uh, I hope it encouraged you to be bold and that you would share your faith and that you would uh, share the, the riches and the love that Christ has given you to other people. I hope that's something that you have been encouraged to do recently. Um, okay, open your Bible to Psalm 107. We're continuing on in our series called Steadfast after our little break there. Steadfast week three. And we're going to be starting in verse 19. Excuse me, verse 17 is where we're at tonight. But before we started that, I want to ask you a question. Tonight we did the stupid chicken nugget game, which was very good. Gavin did a great job. Great job. What's the hungriest you've ever been in your entire life? This morning? Okay. <laughs> Amen. Every, right now? I'm not talking about when you were like, when you're like pretty hungry, like when you're uncomfortable. I mean, I want you to think about a time in your life when you were like the hungriest you've ever been in your whole life. Can you remember something like that? Everyone's like this morning or like once third period rolls around, you're like, dude, I don't know what happens. At 10, 15 in the morning, I could eat anything. No, think about the time you were the absolute hungriest. For me, I can remember very vividly a certain day. It was in, I think I was in high school. I was definitely in high school. It had to have been in the summer because it was really hot. I was practicing for cross country. So any cross country runners in the room, right? Yeah. Oh, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa. I wasn't going to boo them, but it is kind of a lame sport. I didn't say, I'm not good at cross country. Who thinks we should? Okay, we're going to have tribal council right here. Who thinks we should vote out Gavin? We should just say Gavin has to go in the lobby. All right, the tribe is spoken. No, I'm just kidding. Stop derailing this illustration, Gavin. What was I saying? Back up here. Eyes up here. Um, okay, so I was running, as you do in cross country, ha ha. I was really bad at it, and it was probably 90, maybe 90, mid-90s that day. And we had to do this thing where we ran, and then we did uh, a workout, and then we ran more, and then we did another workout, and then we ran again, and it was all outside in the Virginia heat, and I very vividly remember running, and then all of a sudden, I physically saw something before me. I was hallucinating, like actually for the first time in my life, and I just was like, there's a Big Mac on the ground over there. I was so hungry that I was just like, there's the, like, the wrapping, and it's in the little like paper carton, and I walk up, and it's just leaves. And I was like, 
that's weird. And I continued the run. And then all of a sudden, I remember I was just like, all I could do is think about food. This is the hungriest I've ever been. And I look over and like running through like the woods or whatever with my team. And I was like, I think there's a pizza box over there. And maybe there's food inside of it. And I remember very specifically, like, basically, like, seeing this. And I was like, I am hallucinating. I'm that hungry. Has anyone been in that spot before where you're just like, I'm starving? I think I could just picture and taste food right in front of me, right? It happens sometimes, very rarely. But for me, uh, it happened whenever I was working out. It hasn't happened recently because I'm an adult and I can buy food whenever I want. But when you're in high school, as you remember, sometimes you're like, I'm in third period and I just have to wait until lunch, I have to wait till I go home. And there's just times and seasons where we're just so hungry. And that's totally normal, right? To do what we did tonight was not normal, to just stuff our faces with a bunch of food and call it a day. But there's times in our lives where we're very hungry. And it's normal for us to, um, you know, God made our bodies this way, to have to have some sort of nourishment, some sort of thing that sustains us, that brings us from day to day to day. Now, there might be seasons or times in your life when you fast from food, where you take a break, Uh, from food for spiritual purposes, but we are meant to function on regular nutrition from food. The Bible uses illustrations all the time throughout scripture to equate our physical need for food, like our desire, our want for food, and he equates it, God would equate it with our spiritual need to be connected to God, to be connected to the word of God, to the person of God, to the church of God, and constantly there's this connection here. And tonight we're going to see something interesting in Psalm 107. We're going to get a picture of somebody who's in a pretty tough spot. Psalm 107 has been repeating uh, through stories of deliverance and speaking of God's steadfast love in the middle of needing to be delivered. Tonight we're going to see a glimpse into someone, a group of people, who have gotten to the point where they can't even crave food, that they don't want food. They have gone so far into sickness, they've gotten themselves into such a foolish situation that they just cannot, they have no appetite for food. Whether it's they've become so sick, they've become so far off the path that anything that would sustain them seems foolish, or they've stuffed themselves with things that aren't meant to uh, give them nutrition. They've been uh, nibbling on and, and, and devouring things that would hurt them in the long run. We get a glimpse tonight of somebody who is craving something true, but they are found themselves in a difficult spot. And the Lord, being who he is, rescues and heals this person. Now, if you look closely at this passage tonight, if you're a Christian in the room, we all can recognize and see ourselves in the middle of stories and psalms like this. Because all our story of redemption, our story of salvation and healing is the same. We recognize the need for God, true, sustaining joy and happiness and salvation from sin. We repent from that. We embrace Jesus in faith and we worship him. Tonight we're going to see a story of the steadfast healer who sustains us, who delivers us, who takes us away from the things that would bring us death and give us closer and bring us closer to himself, the one who gives us life. I'm going to read the passage here for you, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 107, verse 17 says this, Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word, and he healed them. 
and he delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works in the children of men, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this passage. Thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that we um, are no longer lost or starving or in affliction if we're found in you. God, I pray for the person in the room who is, um, has questions about their faith or is wondering or is uh, wandering, whatever it may be, God, I pray that you would get a hold of them through your Holy Spirit tonight, that you would uh, reach out to them, that you would uh, convict them in the ways they need to be convicted, and you would encourage them in the ways that they need to be encouraged. Be with me as I uh, preach your word and, and hide whatever would be my opinion or my perspective, and please just bring forth what is your truth from your word. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. This is not hyperbole here whatsoever. First, we see ourselves again in the middle of this story. The psalmist is repeating the cycle of redemption. He's going through the history of God's church, and he's going through the history of our personal lives before we knew Jesus. And we see the very beginning of this cycle start with um, starving and afflicted. We see people who are starving and afflicted. Some were fools through their sinful ways because of their iniquities, suffered Affliction. So foolishness in Scripture is a person who acts like there isn't a God. Throughout Scripture, and specifically throughout the Old Testament, if one were to act foolish, it was like they were acting like they had all the answers. They didn't report to any higher being. They didn't report to anyone. They were living like there was no God. And because of this foolishness, where does that lead them? doesn't lead them anywhere good. It says, because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. So this isn't the beginning of this story. It, it isn't some sort of random pain. It isn't some sort of uh, problem that seems to arise in our lives. Every one of us in this room has gone through difficult times. We've seen difficult moments and situations. But this is specifically speaking about a certain type of pain that we bring on ourselves. And the specific foolishness, in this case, acting like there is no God, brings these people so close to, the, to the, the gates of death, is what verse 18 says, that they're loathing any sort of food, that they don't want nourishment, they don't want anything that would sustain them. So we experience different kinds of stress and anxieties or fears or situations that come up. But at the very beginning here, we see starving and affliction. We see people who are starving and afflicted in pain because of their own foolishness. This is where the story starts. All of us were here at one point in time. All of us were here before we knew the Lord, before we turned to God for salvation. We found ourselves in this situation. The quiet voice in your heart that says, you know, this isn't right. The subtle understanding that there has to be more for me in this life, right? The quiet hunger of aching of the soul, so to speak, recognizing that I don't have real food. I don't have real sustenance. I don't have things to uh, sustain me, to bring me throughout this day-to-day -day life. This is where everyone is once found at one point in time. Sometimes there, you could be so sick 
that you just don't want anything. Maybe you've had a stomach flu, stomach virus. You're just like, man, I'm sitting on my couch all day. Cracker sounds awful, right? Or maybe you've gotten yourself in a situation where you have devoured, I don't know, 11 chicken nuggets or a whole pizza or just like five burgers and you're just like, I have fed myself such garbage that even thinking about food makes me want to die. I'm not saying that I've ever been there, but maybe once or twice in my life, right? It's either being completely sick from lacking nourishments or it's, in, it's engaging in things that are, are, are uh, so bad for you that you just look at any kind of food and you're like, this is not for me. This is not for me. For us, like I mentioned before, the Bible equates uh, the, the physical need for food with the spiritual need to be connected to the Lord. If you don't believe me, Jesus himself calls himself a couple interesting things. In the book of John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger again. Again in John, later he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water flow from his heart. But before we know the bread of life, before we know the living water that sustains, we find ourselves in affliction, loathing any kind of food, anything that would be good for us, anything that would sustain us. And they drew near to the gates of death. You know, Jesus himself offers himself to you and to me as true, sustaining, and steadfast nourishment and joy and satisfaction if you would do this. Continuing on in the passage, it says this. So they found themselves loathing any kind of food, hating where they were at, drawing closer to death. And verse 19 is the verse that we've seen uh, twice before in this specific chapter of Psalm. And it says, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So first we see ourselves starving and afflicted, and then we go to saved and healed. The people who found themselves struggling and striving and starving and afflicted because of their own foolishness are now saved and healed because what did they do? They cried to the Lord in their trouble. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. The iniquities and pain would not be enough to separate them from God's steadfast, steadfast love. The foolishness would not be too drastic to separate us from God's steadfast love. The distance would not be too far to separate us from God's steadfast love. Why? Because when I was in my trouble, he delivered me from my distress. If you know the Lord, this is where we sit now. This is where our hearts are at now. We recognize and we rejoice in the fact that we are saved and healed from what? He delivered me from destruction. He sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from destruction. Like I mentioned before, this psalm is so repetitive in its language. The psalm is so repetitive in its language. This verse has been here three times now and it's going to be in here again next week. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Why is it repeating itself so much? Because it represents 
the very nature of God, so consistent to rescue anyone who calls upon his name, so consistent and steadfast to answer and redeem and rescue anyone who would turn to him. It doesn't matter what situation, it doesn't matter how far you've gone in your foolishness, it doesn't matter what kind of sinful decision you've been engaging with, even if you are a Christian and you've returned to some sort of secret sin, the steadfast love of the Lord is always there to rescue and redeem you if you would cry out to him. If you would cry out to him. To cry out to the Lord means you have to recognize where you're at. To know you need to be saved to, to cry out to someone, you have to be like, oh, wait, I'm in a difficult situation. I'm in a tough spot right now. And the fools, in verse 17, who were wandering, who weren't craving any sort of sustenance, who were on death's door because they were so sick, because they were so far gone, the Lord heard them in their trouble, and he delivered them from all distress, from starving and afflicted to saved and heal. Verse 19 is a promise that God will always be there to answer you no matter what, if you would turn to him. If you would recognize where you are at in your foolishness, in your wandering, in rejecting the things, the life that God has for you, the bread of life, the living water, recognizing that you need it, if you would do that, then he will rescue you every time. Steadfast, that's the name of the series. It's God being so consistent in who he is and how he has interacted with you in your life. From starving and afflicted to saved and healed, delivered from all darkness. Verse 20, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. You see, God won't only just take you from that sin that you're engaging with. God won't only just take you from that sin. He will also heal you from the very things that that sin has caused you, the destruction that it has brought, the pain that it has inflicted you with. He will heal you from those things if you would turn to him. The consequences of sin are death and pain and suffering. And not only is the eternal consequences of sin gone, but also the reality that he can heal you from the consequences of sin, the emotional damage, the physical damage in many cases, the spiritual damage. The Lord is faithful to be the steadfast healer who is there for you if you would turn to him. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. It doesn't matter what situation you've wandered yourself into that you're like, man, I don't really know if I can get out of this now, right? If I had to change this, I'm going to have to change a lot of other things about my life. If you would recognize that you need to be delivered and turn to the Lord, he will be faithful to rescue you and to redeem you. If you remember the very first time that you came to encounter the Lord in faith, you know it wasn't your own actions. It was this moment that you recognized you needed, and that was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the same God who saved you maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago, or maybe recently, is the same God who continues to save you. See, I think sometimes we forget this. The blood of Christ, the atoning sacrifice that he made on our behalf, the one who saved us from the consequences, eternal consequences of sin and death, continues to save us 
on our day-to-day lives, on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, when we continue to return to certain sins, when we act foolish and wander back to things that are only going to bring us death, the same salvation is at work in our hearts. You don't lose it. You don't, like, forget about it. You don't fall so far that God's just like, I've given up. No, he continues to sustain you. But we have to continue to recognize that we need him. We have to continue to repent. We have to continue to cry out. Because when we do that, when we are there with him, that's the spot he wants us to be. He wants us to be living and dwelling in a space where we are constantly relying on him. We are constantly returning to him. His steadfast love will be there to meet us. Deliverance looks like not being held captive to sinfulness anymore, and healing looks like not wanting to go back to the sinfulness that held you there for so long. Healing, recognizing I don't need these things. I don't want these things. I don't want anything that would get in the way of me and my relationship with God. He sent out his word, and he healed them and delivered them from your destruction. That's what God does. That's who he is. Look at that specific thing there. Look look at that word there. He sent out his word and he saved them. He sent out his word and he saved them. You see, the word of God is so significant throughout the entirety of the uh, Old Testament. The Old Testament speaks to the word of God, the instruction of God, the presence of God, the direction of God, the deliverance of God. So often the Israelites, the people of God, found themselves in a situation where they're like, I don't know how we're going to rescue ourselves. I don't know how we're going to get ourselves out of this. And God would appear to a prophet or a leader or to the people directly, and he would give him what? His word. This is what you need to do. This is the direction you need to go in. This is the way and the truth and the life. His word is the one who has guided and directed his people throughout all of eternity. His word is the thing that sustains us. His word is the thing that guides us. His word was the one who brought the people out of Israel or the Israelites out of Egypt if he would listen to them, if they would listen to him. His word is sustaining and guiding. It's in its very nature to heal. And there's something really interesting that happens in John chapter 1. So the Old Testament, the grand narratives of, of Scripture, God dwelling with his people, reconciling all things to himself. There's all these commandments. The word of the Lord came to Moses, and then the Israelites listen or they don't listen. If they listen, they reap the benefits and the rewards. If they don't, then they face destruction. The word of God is dwelling with his people. He is speaking to them. And something interesting happens in John chapter 1. And he says, in the very beginning of his uh, chapter, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among them. Any idea who that's referencing? The word became flesh. John chapter 1 says this. So when we read passages like this, we can view with a whole new perspective. He sent out his word and healed them. Jesus in his very nature is the guidance and direction of God. And he came to heal all those who would recognize that they need him. The word became flesh. The word of God, Jesus himself, 
is a healer in his very nature. He sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. God heals. God sustains. God heals us by giving us the perspective that the things that are sinful, the things that we engage in, the relationship that we've stumbled into that has gone too far physically, the person we act like when we're at uh, our lunch table, the words we say, the things we do, the secret sin that you don't want to tell anybody about. When God heals us, he gives us the perspective that those things are wrong and that his word, his guidance, and his direction will only lead us to life and to godliness. That is what healing looks like. That's what deliverance looks like. Because in our own foolishness, right, what verse 17 says, when we think we have the right perspective, when we think that we can, you know, kind of, I like God, like the things that I'm going to, you know, do over here for God are great, but I really want him to stay out of my business over in this way, in this direction. That foolishness leads us nowhere good. It brings us to the gates of death. The Lord is always faithful to deliver his people. God alone is the one who sustains God alone is the one who heals, and he's always there. His steadfast love is always there for you. Four times they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them. You can hold on to that promise for the rest of your days. You can have this verse memorized knowing that when you cry out to the Lord, he will be faithful to deliver you from your trouble. Have you been healed? Do you know the Lord? Have you recognized your need and desire for deliverance? Because he is faithful. He is steadfast. And he is ready to do that for you. Looking on and continuing on in the passage. Because of this radical uh, moment, this rescuing, this moment where people realized that they were wandering into death, that they were wandering to to the gates of death and they were redeemed and delivered out of it. Verse 21 says this, let them thank the Lord for, their, for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works in the children of men, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. So first we see ourselves starving and afflicted. Because of the Lord's deliverance, we see ourselves saved and healed. And now we continue on and we see sacrifices of thanksgiving to God. Sacrifices of thanksgiving to God alone. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. There will never be a moment in your life where you can't find a reason to worship God. If you're looking hard enough, you can see it every second of every day. There will always be a reason to worship God because God is always the same in who he is and, who his, and what his love is towards you. His steadfast love doesn't change. And so our response to him and our response to him uh, through worship, through sacrificing, through thanksgiving should always be the same as well. We need to be living uh, with sacrifices of thanksgiving constantly coming from our hands coming from our hearts, and coming from our mouths. Our entire lives are supposed to be lived as a human sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, live your lives as a a living sacrifice, holy and blameless unto the Lord. This is where we're supposed to find ourselves. 
and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. There's always a reason to sing. When you look back on your life, you know, some of the most beautiful testimonies, I've talked about this before, are when people recognize, you know, I used to be angry. Like, I used to be really mad at my parents, my mom or my dad for what they did. And then I came to know the Lord, and I, I feel like I'm less angry. Man, I was really struggling with this sin. I felt like I couldn't stop myself, and I recognized I need the Lord, and he delivered me from that temptation. I'm growing in that. Think about those stories. If you recognize that the Lord has done that, the Lord is the one who is constantly saving, right? Not just this one-time moment, like this thing that happened, but he's constantly uh, saving and sustaining you, then there is always reasons to look back on your life and to say, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you have done in my life, for your wondrous works in the children of men, this passage. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. When's the last time that you just said, thank you, God? When's the last time you sat down in your prayer time, your Bible time, and were just like, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you that I'm different. Thank you that I'm not the same person. Thank you that I'm not angry anymore. Thank you that I'm growing in this. Thank you that you delivered me from something, even when I couldn't recognize it. Thankfulness, and specifically what? Offers sacrifices of thanksgiving. Worship always costs something. Worship always costs something. True worship always costs something. It may cost your time. It may cost your energy, your effort, your focus. God forbid you have to think about anything else other than you for a second. It'll cost you something. But it is always worth it. True worship requires a sacrifice. There's a story in the Old Testament. King David is given the supplies for free to make an offering to God. Someone just gives it, says, you can have it. But David says, no, I'm going to buy this from you because I will not offer a sacrifice to the Lord that costs me nothing. We're sacrificing something when we worship whether we worship God through our actions, when we intentionally focus on him, when we serve him, when we share the gospel, or whether it's when we physically sing together like we do here in this time, in this space, every single week, it's going to cost us something because worship is a sacrifice. And the reality is you always make sacrifices for the things that you love. You always do. Whatever it is you love, you'll make it happen. You have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just like everyone else. And whatever you spend your time doing and thinking about the most, if you look back on your week and your time, and you can see where it is you're focusing, you can see where your heart is worshiping. You can see what you're sacrificing things for. You sacrifice things when you give up time to be on your phone. You sacrifice something when you give up time to be with friends or with your boyfriend or girlfriend, because worship is a sacrifice. And the call of the Christian here is to recognize where they were and their sinful ways, to be joyful in the fact that they are not there anymore, that they are found in the presence of God, that they have been healed and they have been saved and they are continuing to be healed and they are continuing to be delivered and they are also offering sacrifices towards God. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. And tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Oh, see, yeah, but like, I just kind of like worshiping God with like 
my life, you know, like the whole encompassing like 24-7 vibes. Singing, not quite my vibe. Singing out loud, I'm a bad singer. My friends are going to think I'm weird. You know, if I lift my hand, like, no, that's not really, I don't think the Bible tells me to do that. Every page of scripture, everything, it points to worshiping God. The way, we, the way we conduct our lives, the way we speak to God, the way we speak to others, yes, that is absolutely true. But you cannot deny the fact that there is actually a specific call for us to also sing and be joyful. When we have time, we create spaces of musical worship for you guys. It's because we really value what it is. It's not just Christian karaoke. It's not just a time we get to hang out and spread good vibes. No, we are speaking and singing to God. And yes, we're offering him something. Your time, your effort, your energy. You have to think about and dwell about the way he has delivered you and the way and the things he's brought you from. It's what we were made to do. It's how we should be conducting our lives, offering sacrifices of thanksgiving up to the Lord, telling of his deeds in songs of joy. When was the last time you said, thank you, God? Thank you for saving me. Thank you for these blessings that you've given me. Thank you for a roof over my head and friends to do life together with me. Thank you for parents who care about me. Thank you for the school that I go to. When's the last time you offered uh, sacrifices of thanksgiving to God? Because it is a very, very small sacrifice in comparison to what he has sacrificed for you. Next time you're wondering, like, I don't know, should I engage in worship? Should I, should I be bold in the way that I express myself in worship? I want you to think about one thing. I want you to think about Jesus. And I want you to think his sacrifice for you. And I want you to think, what could I possibly give back to God right now? And I want you to see if there's a bit of a discrepancy there. And the answer is yes, always. Because Jesus gave everything for you. He continues to give everything for you. He has been everything for you, and he always be, will be everything for you. The smallest thing we can do is give our everything back to him. Such a small sacrifice in comparison, but it's the way we are supposed to live. It's the way we're supposed to operate. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. God, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your character. Thank you for your, uh, your, your, your son, your Holy Spirit guiding and directing me and sustaining me. Thank you for my friends, for my family. There's always a reason to be thankful. Yes, it will cost something. Worship always costs something. Energy, time, money, finance, whatever it may be. But it is always worth it. Because the things that you sacrifice to anything else will always come back to hurt you. If you make friends your everything and you're worshiping your status and your friendship, it'll come back to hurt you. If you're worshiping your job or your schooling and you just want to get into that school, you just want to be with that person and you give everything to that and you're sacrificing everything to that and you're worshiping that, that will come back to hurt you every single time. But we only are blessed when we worship God. We are only blessed when we sing songs of joy to him and we offer sacrifices of thanksgiving every time. When's the last time you said thank you? When's the last time you recognized where you used to be and where you are now and how much the Lord is doing and how much he is continuing to do? Some were fools through their sinful ways. All of us at one point 
Because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction, digging a hole deeper for ourselves. Because we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing was sinful until the moment we recognized we were about to die or the moment we recognized we needed something to sustain us. They loathed any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. That is in God's character. It's who he is. It's in his very being to be a redeemer, to be a rescuer. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The word of God in flesh, Jesus himself, came and he healed and he continues to heal to this day. Let them thank thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous deeds to the children of men. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Friends, God alone sustains and heals our hearts. When we are long, uh, far way off, he runs to us. There would be nothing that could separate us from the steadfast love. I don't care if it's the 10th or 20th or 30th time that you're struggling with the thing that you're struggling with right now. God's steadfast long love is stronger. God's steadfast love is stronger than any foolishness, than any apathy, than any pain, than any suffering. God's steadfast love is stronger Cling to this. Hold on to these truths. Let them represent our lives. May they direct our posture towards him. Would it direct our worship towards him? Would it let us have a higher view of his word, his instruction? The thing that you're caught in right now, maybe, the sinfulness that you're walking back to, this passage here, his word healed them. How often are you spending time in God's word? Because God himself, Jesus, of course, the ultimate healer, but his word, his direction, his guidance in your life will heal you by keeping you away from the things that would bring you death. What does that time look like as well? Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. So we're going to do that here in just a second. The Lord is always faithful to answer you, to hear you in your trouble. This is very nature. But you have to recognize where you are. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. If you're running, if you're trying to do this whole life thing without God and you're just miserable because of it, if you're in the whole like half in the Christian camp, kind of half out at this point, kind of clocked out, and you're experiencing like confusion and questions, just turn and run to the Lord. We're here to care for you, to guide you, to shepherd you in understanding, of course, what God's word says, but also directing you closer to Jesus. That's what we want to do. It's our mission here. All of the leaders, that's our mission here, to show you the truth. Who in your life needs to hear that? Who in your life needs to know what God has done for you and what he's continuing to do for you? Who needs to hear about the steadfast love of the Lord? Who is still suffering in their foolishness because they don't know him, because they are wandering off? Who in your life needs to see Jesus more clearly through you and your actions and your word. Who is it in your life? Let's pray together. God, we love you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, the word of God, your son Jesus, the word in flesh. But thank you for the direction of, of scripture and the Bible. Thank you that we don't have to live this life alone, that we don't have to walk throughout these days without clear guidance and direction, but you want to direct us. You want to guide us. 
God, I pray that right now as we would, uh, we're about to worship, we're about to sing towards you, I pray that we would think about a time in our lives where we were foolish, where we were caught in something, where we were starving for true nourishment and strength, and you showed up, you delivered. You were there for us in our affliction. Help us to think about those moments. Help us to remember those moments. And when we worship you, when we hear songs of worship, would we engage, would we sing to you directly? When we worship you with our lives, the way we serve you, the way we speak about you, would we be all in? Would we know and believe that you're the one who's sustaining and healing us? So be with us now as we sing. And as we respond throughout the week, pray that we wouldn't go to any old foolishness, anything that was sinful in our past or maybe in our uh, current situation. I pray that you would continue to deliver us from those things. Continue to show us what is good, to continue to show us the things that are going to bring us uh, sustenance and to bring us joy. Thank you for being a steadfast healer. Thank you that it's in your very character to heal and sustain us. God, we love you. It's all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.